I think at the end of the day, we need to be thinking like human beings and we need to think about our clients as other human beings. So what do they want? Hello, welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. Today I am sharing some of the things that I wish I would have known before I started freelancing. Now I actually did a video, maybe a podcast too, can't really remember, but definitely a piece of content about this before. And I'm kind of sharing an update because I was very new at that point. I don't even think I was full-time freelance at that point. So I've certainly learned a lot over the years. So the first thing I wish I would have known is that honestly, getting clients isn't really that hard if you do this one thing. I have to say out of all the questions I get, out of all of the comments I read, how do I get clients? How do I find clients? Where do you get clients? Best job boards for clients. Those are the most common types of questions that I get and that I see. And I think we overthink it. I think at the end of the day, we need to be thinking like human beings and we need to think about our clients as other human beings. So what do they want? Most importantly, what problem are they looking to solve in their business or in their life? And how can you help them achieve that? If you can really speak to your clients' problems and you know, really present your solution as that, exactly, as a solution to their problems and not just as you trying to sell something or trying to push something, it becomes really, really easy. This also means that you you need to listen probably more than you talk or you create at least in the beginning while you're getting to know who your audience really is and what they really struggle with and i think this is something that you know i certainly have done we all have certainly done where we get on a discovery call and we just like ramble this like nervous energy probably of just like okay well these are all the things i can do and here's all my experience and blah 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 but really it's it's just a listening experience you know ask them what they're dealing with, ask them what their goals are, ask them why they reached out to you. And usually they will lead themselves to their answer. So listen and solve their problems, figure out how you can solve problems. Um, I see this, a lot of people who listen to the show are social media managers and it's like, okay, well, how many social posts should I, you know, should I add into my package each week? And my answer is like, well, how many social posts are they going to need to achieve the goal that you're looking to help them achieve? It's going to be different per client. And it's also like, you need to be the problem solver. You need to recommend that as opposed to giving your clients this list, almost like a menu where they check off what they want. They're coming to you because you're an expert. And so they don't know, or at least they don't feel like they know. So you should be guiding them towards the solution and helping them solve their problems. Second thing I wish I knew was that I was in the driver's seat. You can definitely be in the driver's seat too. And it just works better that way. I mean, similar to what I just said about being a consultant, being the expert, providing those solutions, being proactive, same can be said for the client workflow and the experience of working together. I ran into a lot of issues, not a ton, you know, not anything like that I couldn't figure out, but when I did have problematic clients or clients that overstepped boundaries, I sat down and I looked at what I gave them as onboarding material and it was nothing. I didn't tell them anything. I just said, okay, cool, let's work together. Here's an invoice. And then that was pretty much it. So I wasn't setting the expectation for communication or timelines or, you know, any of the things that you might bump into as issues. Now it's not always your fault, but I think that we really do have a lot of power in a sense. You know, I don't mean that in a negative way, but, but we are the business owner, right? We should be kind of steering the ship. We shouldn't be having all of these different cooks in the kitchen and all these different 
people telling us what to do. That's not really why they hire a consultant or freelancer. Same thing, you know, for offboarding process, how can people disconnect from your account? How do they send a testimonial through? Like all of these things should have systems and processes behind them. As soon as I added a testimonial request just to my normal offboarding workflow in HoneyBook, I saw more testimonials. Shocker, right? I like would never ask for them. But if it's just a checklist item, especially if it's one that you don't even have to physically send yourself, you can help steer that ship. You can help guide that process. Speaking of number three is I really wish I would have known about automations and just how much time they can save me and how much energy they can save me and how much money they can save me. You know, time is money in a lot of ways when you're working for yourself. So if I'm sending manual emails and manual invoices and manual this manual that, that all adds up. I mean, this is embarrassing and maybe a little like, I don't know, airheaded of me, but there have been times where I've forgotten to send invoices. And by the time I remembered, I was like, it's been like way too long. I'm just gonna, just gonna move on. So I've actually lost money. It's ridiculous, but it happens. And it happens to a lot more people than you probably think. So you all know I love the CMS, the client management system, HoneyBook, but there are a lot of others out there. If that's not your style, I do have a 50% off link that'll link down below, but you certainly don't have to use it explore. But yeah, there's lots of different tools like that automation tools that you can use. Or even if you don't want to have like a big robust tool like that, maybe if you're not doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one client work, because that's really what a CMS is great for. If you have an agency or you're a coach or, you know, you do one-on-one -on -one type work, it can help you send through brochures send through proposals send through invoices, contracts, you can set contact forms, scheduling links, all that kind of stuff. But if you don't do a lot of that work, look for other ways to automate. So email marketing tools for me, I use Flowdesk. Again, I'll leave a link. I think it's half off for Flowdesk as well, if you want to check that out. But you know, sending a weekly newsletter is a lot easier when you can have a bunch of them in the queue and you can have a template already created that you just need to duplicate each week, as opposed to like coming up with something from scratch. You can also in Flowdesk automate the sending of lead magnets or free gifts to your audience. So this is a huge area where we saw growth in the past year. I mean, again, it sounds like so obvious, but when you use your email list, when you actually activate your email list and send them emails, sales happen, right? That's just another way of contacting people who have said, hi, I want what you have to tell me. So making sure that you are really setting all this stuff up so that you are having to do less of that hands-on work from the beginning. Another one of my favorite tools this past year has been Zapier. I've known about Zapier for a long time because I do a lot of tech videos and stuff for my clients who are mostly like SaaS clients. I never used it myself. I was just like, I don't know, what is this Zapier thing? And wow, it's so cool. You can connect different tools to each other and make them talk to each other, even if they don't natively talk to each other. So like I use Zapier to connect Google docs to Thinkific so I can keep logs, basically, you know, records of all my students, like email addresses and things like that. So I can contact them if I need to, or just have for analytics and, and reporting purposes. And then I can then connect that Google form to Flowdesk. So I automatically create an email list. So for my cohort based courses in particular, I have them on an email list so that whenever we have a big update to share with the class, you know, it's easy to automate. I don't have to like manually go into Gmail and type out every email and all that kind of stuff. So there are so many different Zapier zaps, I think they're called that you can set up for pretty much like any 
tool out there under the sun. It's really cool. Next thing I wish I would have known is that spending money can, does not always, but it can make you money. I was really afraid to spend any money in my business when I first started. I am very, very conservative financially. Like I do not spend, I don't spend money at all. Like in my personal life, in my business, besides like food. And then in the business, it's things that are really essential. And even that I, I used to be like, very, very strict about what I would deem essential, right? But here's the thing, like I said, time is money in a lot of cases. Can I build a website? Yes, I do know how to do that. And I think I've built websites that look nice and that do their job. Should I build a website? Probably not because doing that takes me a huge amount of time. I am very meticulous about it. I am, you know, I have a million other things that I'm doing. So it's always at the bottom of my list. Um, there were so many things like that, even editing right? I started outsourcing some of my editing. I still am. It's something I really love to do. It's something I'm very particular about, but I was like, okay, the podcast is pretty easy to edit. It follows a pretty similar format. I at least can outsource this. So there are things that it just makes sense to outsource because your time can be used somewhere else. And it took me so, so long to realize outsourcing can also save you from some expensive mistakes. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, I actually had this experience with bookkeeping. I didn't hire a bookkeeper and I was like, I can just manage my own books, right? And I kind of made a big mistake a couple of years ago. Luckily we were able to fix it, but I did have to send through like a revision to my tax return. It was really scary for me. Cause again, I'm very conservative about that stuff and I, it just freaks me out. I don't want to get in trouble. So hiring true professionals who know what they're doing can actually save you some of those mistakes in the long run. Another thing that I invested in last year was trademarks. Trademarks are expensive. I have a video actually, I will link it in the show notes. If you want to check that out, an interview with my lawyer talking about trademarks and and they can also save you money in the long run because if somebody wanted to basically start stealing my brand and scamming my followers and making them believe that they were buying from me when it wasn't really me, I could be losing clients and losing students and customers. So all of these things, it takes time to realize, but often it can save you a lot of money and a lot of headache and, you know, potentially save you from making big mistakes by just hiring. And lastly, the fifth thing that I wish I knew before I started freelancing was if you hire a good bookkeeper, you can change your life. I mean, again, it's just outsourcing things that you don't necessarily know how to do. For some people that might not be bookkeeping. Some of you are like, I know how to do this. This is second nature to me. So it might be a different job, but honestly, if the idea of taxes and finances and all that scare you, just hire a professional. They know what they're doing and it's their job to make you successful. Actually, I really like my bookkeeper because they charge based on how much you make in your business, which is kind of cool. So like it's actually in their best interest to guide you in the right direction, you know, because if I make more money then they make more money for, from me. So why would they not want to support me and help me make the best financial decisions for my business? So, you know, I've talked a lot on this podcast about what exactly a bookkeeper does versus an accountant and things like that. So I'll link to some additional resources if you have questions about that, or if you want to check out my bookkeeper, they're called evolved finance. There are some kind of um, qualifiers that they ask you to meet before they take you on as a client. So if you don't fit in 
to that quite yet. They also have a free audio series, which is really cool. They're not paying me to make this. I just seriously love them. And I think it's a really great resource if you are just getting started and you're like, I don't know how to balance my books. I don't even know what that means. I need help. They have a free, basically private podcast that you can listen to. And we're gonna hop into the question of the day. This question says, transitioning from social media manager to social media strategist. I guess that's just a prompt or a topic, not really a question, but if I have any advice on transitioning from social media manager to social media strategist, I would say, you know, I think there's a couple things to this. The first thing is getting really good case studies. You know, a strategist is kind of looked at as somebody who I always shy away from the word expert. I personally don't really like the word expert, but for lack of better words is an expert, right? They really know their stuff and they have proven success. They have a track record for helping people achieve success in this area. So I would really focus in your social media management business right now at getting some really good data-driven stories that you can tell, you know, meaning I, increased conversions by 300% or whatever, or we ran an ad campaign that had a blah, blah, blah cost per click or generated so many sales or so many clicks or whatever, like get as, as close to revenue as you can, because I know that marketing isn't always tied to revenue. This is like a whole debate that we can have, but really at the end of the day, people make decisions based on money. Most of the time, even if it's not a direct tie to revenue, they want to see how that brand building affects the bottom line even if it's a couple years down the line. So develop some really good case studies. If you are looking for a template for that, the social media management toolbox is one of my products that I offer that has templates for case studies and proposals and things like that, that might help you out. So that's the first step, get some good case studies together. And then I think the second thing it's about positioning and it's about audience audience first, you know, you might be working with different clients, somebody who wants to work with a strategist versus a manager. They may be different. They may be the same some companies and organizations hire both where the strategist is kind of like an upper level person and the manager is the one doing the day-to-day -day stuff. But a lot of the times you'll find that they're actually different target audiences. So maybe in the past you were working with like, I don't know, kind of like brick and mortar, like mom and pop kind of like smaller businesses as a social media manager, chances are they're not hiring a social media strategist. Chances are they just want to get that work off their plate. They know it's essential work for them. You know, they don't have the hours in the day to actually do it, nor do they have the expertise. So they're kind of looking for someone who can play the role of both. But if you want to pivot to working for an agency, now they definitely, in most cases have strategists, have managers, have analysts, have all these different tiers. So you could consider freelancing for an agency, or maybe you are a social media strategist for like a personal brand. So somebody like me, I probably wouldn't hire a social media manager because I don't want somebody else in all my stuff. I like to be hands-on in all my stuff because I know how it works. I know how to do it. It's a personal brand. But if somebody knows more than I do, especially about a specific platform or a specific uh, strategy that I'm looking to adopt, I would hire someone as a strategist to just help advise me on what to do. So you'll want to figure out who your target audience is because it might change. It might not depending on who you're already working for, but it could very well change. And then the last thing is really, like I said, just positioning. I mean, show up in the role that you want to be paid for. So if you have on your website that you're a social media manager, people are going to keep asking you for social media management, full service stuff. If you have that you are a strategist and you have 
clarity on your website about what that means. Cause for, for some, I think, I think maybe I understand what it means. Cause I've worked with strategists, you know, really spell out what exactly a strategist does. Does that mean that you just give like consulting on calls? Does that mean that you are actually doing some of the work? Is there a standard package? Like really get clear about that stuff because I think there is some confusion for some audiences about what the difference is. If you want people to really envision themselves working with you in that role, you need to like tell them what it is first and you need to just show up as that. I mean, what is the saying? It's like fake it till you make it. I don't, I don't like the term fake. Like, I think that's a little aggressive, but I will say, you know, once I started putting speaking up on my website, or once I started putting social media strategy up on my website or video content or whatever, that's when those things started rolling in, you know, people they'll find you through your content or however you're getting clients. They'll say, I want to work with this person. What are their options? And if you only have social media management listed, they're not going to ask you for social media strategy because they don't know that's something you offer. And they don't know that that's something you need. So show up in the role that you want to be hired for. Uh, the transition might be a little bit easier than you think. All right. So that's it for today's episode, short and sweet. But again, let me know in the comments if there's anything you wish you would have known before you started freelancing. And I will leave all the resources I mentioned down below in the show notes. Have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.